Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well. Uh, you and I are coming off a big weekend in baseball. Uh, pretty good business trip for us. Not related to this pod, but still uh, still a very fun experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people go to Martha's Vineyard to relax, let loose, but we went to make some good content. And yeah. uh, I think uh, I think that's exactly what we did. We did not see the Obamas, but we did see Ryan Ignafo, Colton Ledbetter, uh, some of the top talent in the New England Collegiate Baseball League. Yeah, and let me tell you, I think I think Ryan Ignafo and Colton Ledbetter can hit the ball farther than the Obamas. So yeah, um, so I think I think it was. I don't know. I think I think, no, I think, I think Michelle could have pulled one over those trees in left field, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh yeah, I think Sasha is going 450 dead center. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but uh yeah, um for those unaware, uh Daniel and I are interns for the NECBL, which is New England Collegiate Baseball League. It's um you know, up there with like the Cape Cod League is like top summer summer collegiate leagues in um summer collegiate leagues in New England. Um, you know, there's a good amount of alumni. I believe like Steven Strasburg is an alumni. Um, Joe Nathan is an alumni. Joe Nathan's an alumni. Uh, you know, they have, there's, it's a, it's a good path to, you know, potentially get into the pros. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the all-star game was at Martha's Vineyard and, uh, yeah, we had like, uh, well, minus transportation. It was like a seven and a half our day and yeah. then plus transportation you know for for me it was like 7 15 a.m to uh about 12 30 a.m um but yeah for me but, it was uh yeah it was about let's say 8 15 in the morning to 12 30 in the morning yeah and shout out to uh our colleague ryan moyer um who's also an necbl intern who was uh he he had a longer trip than both of us he was coming out of maine yeah had a three-hour drive both ways and that does not include the shuttle or the buses or Or the other shuttle yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. like (laughs) with three three forms of transportation from our cars to the field yeah i get it it made sense why we had it but a lot of a lot of public transport for sure yeah yeah and uh if you're interested in in uh what we're doing with the necbl go to the necbl podcast it's on apple Podcasts and spotify um daniel and i are the hosts but in our in our last episode we 
had uh, another intern, um, Zach Goldman, and this upcoming episode, we're going to have Ryan on. Um, yeah. Also, if you want to see what we did at the All-Star Game, go to at the NECBL on Instagram. Check out the uh, story highlights for All-Star Game 2022. We, we did a, quite a lot. We did it. We did. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was all day, nonstop content. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on there. It was a very good day. Very fun for both of us. It was super hot. That was probably the one uh, tough yeah. part of it, but whatever. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, good stuff. I, I myself had a, yeah, I myself had, was, was really baseballed out for the, for the weekend <laughs> on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. I was at Fenway. Um, well, that's, then, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I should, I probably should talk about my experience watching <laughs> the worst the- game ever. 28 to the blue jays winning 28 to 5 over the red sox i wonder if that was scoregami i'm gonna check that right now yeah uh yeah that's i hope it has to be i hope i wonder if you've ever witnessed scoregami in football and you could say that you have witnessed scoregami in two sports because i feel like that's an incredibly rare feat yeah yeah because no i mean no one has witnessed scoregami in person at a baseball game since the 90s because the only one in our lifetime was the braves marlins one but that was in 2020 so there was no fans yeah i think the weirdest score i've seen in nfl is like 55 31 but i feel like that i don't know i feel like sign not a scoregami um, i don't know but anyway yeah friday night um i'm celebrating my dad's birthday uh it fun fact uh i went me and him went on his birthday to see red sox blue jays in 2012 and then 2022 uh red sox and blue jays are playing on his birthday so we go you know it's fun fun little full circle moment um and when we went in 2012 the red sox lost 15 to 7 and then we when we went in 2022 they lost by an even bigger margin 28 to 5 um so i was there uh it was it is scorigami score got so i witnessed a scorigami <laughs> the only 28 to 5 game since 1901 yeah um speaking of since 1901 like i i went you know i did the did the research going into the the game logs and since 1901 that's tied for i believe tied for fourth most runs scored in a game um only like a couple Orioles, of scored, 29 and, yeah yeah, and yeah, Orioles, Braves most recently. Um, or no, Rangers. Rangers beat the Orioles 30 to mm-hmm. 30 to 3. Um, but <clears throat> but yeah. So yeah, and the Red Sox in a three-game span gave up 55 runs. That's second most in a three-game span in uh since 1901. Uh Shout out to the 1950 St. Louis Browns. Um, they had to be the Browns. It had to be the Browns. Uh, they allowed more in a three-game span. They allowed 56. You said 50, 55 to 31. You said sorry. Uh, in NFL, yeah. Um, uh, you know what? I think it says that there's only been one. Um, does it say what game it was? Patriots Steelers, November third, twenty thirteen. Yeah, there's only yeah. been one. I could be wrong. I'm looking at the Scorigami website right now, but let me let me check. Yeah, I was I was at that game and uh, the Red Sox, the Red Sox. You know how like after the Red Sox win the World Series, they go to all the New England stadiums to yeah get recognized. That was the game, and uh, yeah, Red Sox 
or Patriots, but beat down on the Steelers. This isn't a football podcast, but you know, that was a fun thing to go to. It appears that there has been one. Yes, I've witnessed I've witnessed a scoregami in, in person two different sports. Two different sports. That is absolutely wild. The uh, the seriously, the odds of that have got to be like one in a million, and I'm not joking. Man, I'm a I'm a lucky I'm a lucky. I might fan. I might have t- to tweet at John Boyce. Yeah, right I, I'm a lucky fan. Um, that's great stuff. That's great stuff right there. But but anyway, at this game on Friday. Uh, the, you know, it opens up, the Blue Jays scored a run in the first, um, they scored, I think two in the second, then they scored seven in the third, four in the, uh, fourth and then seven or no, 11, no, 11 in the fifth. That was, that was pretty bad. Um, highlights from all, from those 25 runs included Jaron Duran getting, the ball lost in the lights but i don't know looking at it was in dead center field and there's no lights coming at dead center field so i don't know if it was the lights but i don't know i've never been out in center field in at fenway um despite popular belief but the and then another highlight was the classic pop-up um falling through the middle of the infield um extending the inning and then yeah after um after the Blue Jays scored their 25th run and after they got the third out in the fifth inning, um, there was a proposal. I think it went, it went slightly <laughs> viral on Twitter from uh, Mass Live's Christopher Smith. And uh, that proposal was in the row directly behind me. So at least I got to <laughs> witness uh, some sort of happiness. Um, <laughs> the only, only happiness that was felt in the ballpark all night on the yeah. Boston side. <laughs> And like people on people online were kind of trashing it, but in person, everyone was congratulating them. Like, you know, it's, it's yeah. also, also it's like, it's not like he decided, he decided it was going to be after the 11 run inning, like that take the, the, that stuff takes yeah. months of planning. You have to book it. Yeah. You have it's to also it. like hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars to do so. Yeah. You have to book it like months in advance. It has to be at a certain time, certain inning. Um, cause yeah, they're not, they're never going to do it like the ninth inning. They're never going to do it the first inning. Imagine the ninth inning proposal. Like it's a one run game closers coming in, like everyone's, you know, getting fired up and then just quick will you marry me? Yeah. Like the Red Sox, when it's the bottom of the ninth and they're down, they play shipping up to Boston. So shipping <laughs> up to Boston gets interrupted by, uh, <laughs> by, by a proposal. That's, that would be the funniest thing. I, I, I would have to imagine they don't allow that. But yeah, no, they can't do that. that um, and like at Fenway, they definitely don't do it in the middle of the eighth either, because obviously. Well, I mean, I guess technically you can propose anytime you want. You're just not going to be filmed by the, yeah, the jumbotron. <laughs> by the jumbotron. Yep. If you want to do it without the jumbotron, fine by fine by the Red Sox. Um, yeah. but it's it's not. I mean, there have be... been worse. Like there have always been like every couple of years or so, there'll be the the scoreboard proposal where the the girl says no yeah yeah that's, that's that's tough yeah yeah tough luck tough scene tough scene out there um but it really is a it really puts the pressure on the recipient of the proposal because it's like you definitely you're gonna look so bad if you if you say no in front of thirty five thousand people i was to say in that instance you got to talk it out beforehand and be like hypothetically if i were to propose in front of tens of thousands of people would you say yes 
Yeah. Like just just completely random thought, not that it's actually gonna happen, but like I don't know. In in yeah. that scenario, yeah, you gotta you gotta talk that one out for sure. Um yeah. So so yeah, I you know, so once once the Blue Jays got to like 19 runs i was like all right i want to see 31 i want to see this record being broken mm-hmm. and uh you they know get to 25 after five right they got to 25 after five so they were on pace for like 40 something um <laughs> i knew that wasn't you know as they say s- sustainable however i you know i figured position players were going to come in and, and one ended up doing that but uh you know the blue jays scored two in the seventh to make it 27 to four or something like that. Um, and then much to my disappointment, Jake Diekman and here's Hirokazu Sawamura throw two shutout innings. Yeah. Um, not really matching the theme of the night and they didn't get that, the memo. Yeah. Didn't get the memo. And in the ninth, the Red Sox bring out Yolmer Sanchez, who like I had just found out was on the roster and, uh, no walks, no home runs. Actually, it's funny because I looked up some stats to prep for this episode, and Yolmer Sanchez is a three-one-three FIP. So shout out to him. <laughs> you know how I found out Yolmer Sanchez was on the Red Sox? How? I saw him uh, like ten feet away from me at uh, at at Worcester. I was oh. at that park, <laughs> and I was just like, he ran by. I was like, is that Yolmer Sanchez? Like, is he on this team? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. He but yeah. He threw um he threw one inning he allowed one run and uh, prevented the Blue Jays from from getting the record. Wow, um, that's so much pressure. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not your average position player pitching when it's fifteen to nothing and it doesn't matter. Like you actually, there was a lot uh, going down. There's a lot of fate in that inning. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, please, please, please do not give up three runs. I know you've never pitched before. I know you're throwing no harder than 60 miles an hour and you're facing one of the best lineups, but I'm begging you do not give up three runs. We don't want to be the record holders. Yeah, they got they got like Tanner Houck warming up in the yeah. they got they got Whitlock out. They got the Chris Sale coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Sale, we need you. We need you for this one. It's like I understand you have a broken pinky, but please. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, so the Blue Jays did not get the single game record. However, the Red Sox, the, the record they got was worst run differential in a three game span since 1900. So, um, uh, also the most runs they've ever given up in a game in franchise history. Yeah. And most runs the Blue Jays have ever scored and they got that in the fifth inning. Yeah. Congratulations to both teams. Um, (laughs) quite the effort. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah wonderful uh wonderful experience and it's you know going to that is better than going to a 14 to 1 game for sure like, you know at least this is uh you know at least there's maybe some history some implications at least this is like a solid memory um yeah scorigami in two sports is miraculous especially like football sure like it could happen like it happens maybe like 10 times a year in football. Yeah. But baseball, I think it's the second one in our lifetime. Yeah, right, right, right. Like that's unbelievable. Yeah, there any any broadcaster will be like just when you think you haven't seen it just when you think you've seen it all, yeah, you, you see stuff like this and this is a moment. This is a moment. Exactly. This is Scorigami. 
Um, how many how many games have there been where a team scored twenty eight runs anyway? Since I feel like one, uh, six. Six. Oh, I have two. Um, I have twenty. I have obviously twenty eight to five. Then I have twenty eight to six on uh. Or wait, at least or exactly. Exactly. Oh, exactly twenty eight runs. Okay. I got two. Yeah, I got a. July 6th, 1929, the Cardinals dropped 28 on the Philadelphia Phillies, I believe. Couldn't be a couldn't yep. be the athletics. Couldn't be Wait, the, the 20 the 1929 athletics. Phillies. Wasn't it the team with uh with lefty O'Doul and Chuck Lyon having amazing yeah, there was. Yeah. It's no wonder they were fourth in the National League. <laughs> it was the year that yeah, Lefty O'Doul and Chuck Klein had unbelievable years, both five win seasons. Yet the Phillies went 71 and 82 and one, finished fifth in the National League. And one of those losses was uh, 28 to six at the hands of the Rogers Hornsby led St. Louis Cardinals. Question mark? No, it looks like he was no. gone by that point. He was on they the had Cubs. Frankie Frisch. Yeah, they had Frankie Frisch. They had Frisch. Jim Bottomley. Um, <clears throat> they had yeah. Pete Alexander at age 42. Yep, yep. Um, so if I had to describe the environment of your team of the home team giving up 28 runs in a game um you know i think so first inning they gave up give up a run that's kind of normal like you you know that's fine uh second inning pretty normal three nothing after two innings is you know it's nothing out of the ordinary um the i i think the worst of it was the worst the crowd felt was Jaron Duran getting it lost in the lights and yep. allowing a grand slam. That's when it was like really allowing it too. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, no, please just come around to score. Like I'm begging you. Yeah. So that was, um, that was when the crowd was at its most negative top of the third, 10, nothing blue Jays. Um, then I think it was kind of a, it was kind of emotionless uh, in the fourth inning and actually the hit, the Red Sox hit two home runs in the fourth inning and it was, it, it, it was just like they hit home runs in the playoffs. The crowd was, the crowd was going nuts. They were really enjoying those home runs, um, which I understand. You need something to root for fifth inning was, um, 49 bases. Holy cow. Fifth inning was, uh, fully giving up on the game. And then after that, everyone was just trying to have some fun. Like sweet Caroline was not like, half-hearted people were just like you know i i'm gonna have my fun where i have it i know my team's down by 20 but i'm gonna have my fun so you know they did the the sweet caroline take me out to the ball game probably could have been better i think some people just aren't into it in in general yeah i was gonna say i don't think i've ever been into take me out at the ball game at any stadium and then and i mean also anytime a position player comes into pitch i think Everyone, everyone kind of enjoys it. It's a, it's amusing. I'm trying to remember if I've ever seen a position player pitch because I feel like I have, but I'm I don't remember off the top of my head. I think I'm about every my... blowout. I'm, I'm thinking of every blowout game I've ever been to. Yeah, I believe that was my first time. Nice. I. Uh... Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head. In terms of blowout games, I went to like a thirteen to four game or something like that. I went to a like fifteen to six game. I think. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a position player pitch. Now that I'm yeah, thinking about it, there it. were <laughs> there there were times if you went to like a 2019 
Orioles game and they were down by yeah. like four, they would just the throw out chance. Stevie Wilkerson. Yeah. Well, one time he got a save. I saw, I mean, I, I saw a Stevie Wilkerson highlight that I'll never forget. Yeah. The, it was that catch. Yeah. That crazy catch. It was the, yeah. Like it was the, it was game 162 in 2019. I found like really cheap tickets. I was like, you know, it's the last game and what ended up being like eight months. Of course, I couldn't have known that back then, but I was like, whatever, like I'm in, I'll be in Springfield. I'll just, I'll go down to Fenway. Why not? And Jackie Bradley Jr. Hit a ball in the bottom of the eighth. That would have been the go ahead home run. And Stevie Wilkerson makes this miraculous catch, like jumping halfway, like into the right field stands. Uh, He makes the catch. The Red Sox ended up walking off anyway. Um, but it was the greatest catch I've ever seen in person and just maybe ever. Right. Yeah. That's a, and I was, I was in right field too. So I was like maybe hundred, hundred to 150 feet away from it. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I had a good view. Yeah. That's uh that's an like, amazing I've, thing to see. Every, everyone in the Red Sox and Orioles bullpens were both like running out of front, like to the edge of the bullpen near the field to watch the replay on the screen. Like, I yeah. don't, you don't see that. Very right. often they were all like, I gotta see that again. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um yeah, so fun uh fun fun times at Fenway. Yeah. Uh is, is Mookie the... Betts last game with the Red Sox. Yep. 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 <laughs> Which we all knew going in that it was, of course. Right. Yeah, he you know, he got his standing ovation. You know, there was a bunch of signs saying thank you, Mookie. Yep. Thank you for your five years of service time. It's time to yeah. let you go. Yep. Um, <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> I bet, I bet the guardians are like a few years away from doing that. It's like, you've done four years of service time. I know you'll be on the trade market soon, unless it's, unless you get underpaid by $90 million. Yeah. Minimum 90. Ramirez. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess that transitions into the struggles of, of our favorite team, the Boston Red Sox, um, who actually got the win last night um, because they weren't facing an AL East team. So they got the win. They are still yet to win a series against an AL East team. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, it's pretty absurd. <laughs> it's weird because, I mean, it makes, I guess, sense because the division is very good. Um, but it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's, it's a little disproportionate <laughs> like you know it's it's uh it's rough but the uh the red sox so they have lost 17 out of 24 they are um they have the third worst record in the span um only the nationals and angels have been worse than them which is not the company you want to be in um in this span, their weight, their team weighted runs created plus ranks 26th, but you could also argue their offense has been the best part of the team in the last 24 games. Yes. Um, in these last 24 games, they have a 6.50 ERA and a 7.59 starter ERA. Uh, both are worst in baseball since uh, June 26th. And in fact, they haven't had a starting pitcher get the win since june 26th it's been oh my god it's been a month today is july 26th jesus christ it's been a month since a starting pitcher has gotten the win and you know wins are 
whatever but still that's a very very bad that's, sign <laughs> i mean i guess the all-star break thing in there kind of helps out but still their own their own 12 with a 7.590 era mm-hmm. awful <laughs> well um part of it you know i will say like since june 26th um only like evaldi's only made two starts he's coming off he's coming back off his injury michael walker has been completely gone i think um or he may he may have one start sprinkled in there um chris sale he came back and then went straight back to the il after pitching you know a total of five and two-thirds innings um i think rich hill had a little bit of an injury stint or is he still injured i don't know um he is still injured yeah so they've had to go to guys that um are not major league ready uh like cutter crawford's actually been doing pretty well he's a he's a guy who's been in their system for a good bit but they called up uh brian bayo who has been climbing up the baseball america um ranks and prospects i think he might be like top 25 or something Mm -hmm. but he started the year he started the year in double a and he started the year in double a and he's only 22 so he probably needed more time in the in the league but the red sox oddly enough have not been having him throw his sinker as much as he should like that pitch was elite for him in triple a and he's just for whatever reason not like the red sox have always been weird about sinkers like they very rarely have had pitchers that throw them primarily like since 2015 i think the only one you can really point to is like tanner hauk um and even then that's kind of just been a this year thing um right bayo has thrown he has thrown a sinker most of the time i guess so uh, discount what I just said, but it feels like he should be throwing it even more because he's throwing his forcing fastball 18% of the time, slider 19%. Like, I really do think you can get more out of the sinker. Right, right. Um, he does have a, he has a minus 0.9 launch angle right now. He has been getting babbipped quite a bit, I will say. Uh, if you look at his first start against the Rays, a lot of ground ball hits. Oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. that's good. Um, Garrett Whitlock, I will say. For what it's worth. Like- yeah, he has a 10.50 ERA, but his expected ERA is 4.60, which I mean, obviously you're not gonna have expected ERA of 10. It's just never gonna be a thing. But for what it's worth, uh, yeah. he should be better. Yeah, Garrett Whitlock is like he's like probably the main sinker baller of yeah the Red Sox. He he throws a sinker 57.6 percent of the time. But I don't even think he did that last year either. I think it's just a this year thing. Uh, it's yeah, it's gone up by 4.2 percentage points his sinker um what are your yeah what are your takeaways from the red sox uh, struggles lately i mean it's really gonna i think this stretch like the entire month of july is really setting the scene for the red sox future like in you know they're probably going to sell at the deadline if we're being completely honest like i don't think the red sox I know we've talked about this so many times on the pod, but the Red Sox are not going to put out a team that they think is good enough to make it to the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round. They, they either want a team that's going to win the World Series or they're just going to try again. And there's been a lot of criticism going towards Bloom this year. And I do think he should be held accountable for a couple things, like not reinforcing the bullpen during the winter, not getting a big bat other than Trevor Story. Um, trading Hunter he, Renfro. Yeah, trading Hunter Renfro and for Jackie Bradley Jr. and not doing anything else to support that deal. Um, and like that criticism is all fair, but I think they're like at some point you also just need to hold a lot of the players accountable for just not performing well. 
Like Nathan Navaldi, I think, has already given up more home runs this year than he did last year, and he also had a relatively large injured list stint. Like that hasn't been good. Um, a lot of the pitching, I mean, they have had a lot of injuries too, no doubt, but there are a lot of guys that have just been very underwhelming this year. Uh, it's basically everyone outside of like Xander Bogarts, Raviel Devers, uh, JD Martinez, like Alex Verdugo uh, has an 87 OPS plus right now. He's been hitting the ball on the ground way too much. Bobby Dahlbeck has been extremely disappointing. Um, yeah, it's it's been just a lot of struggles on every every which way you look. Uh, the bullpen was awful for a while while Garrett Whitlock was in the rotation. That was tough. Yeah, the I think what's been different with the Red Sox this year from last year is they haven't had like a guy kind of a, a merge out of nowhere. The guys who all the guys who are doing well for the Red Sox right now are guys that we're supposed to be doing well um yeah the only then, guy that's really come out of nowhere has been john schreiber out of the bullpen yeah yeah and you know even then like you know he's he's great and but like it's a bullpen arm so it's not as valuable as like a surprise coming at you know in your everyday lineup oh also uh yeah rob rob ref snyder has been actually a great surprise i don't i don't yeah, know that's i don't know what he's up to but he's been but that's probably not a part of your future either. So yeah, yeah, true. Um, I will say Alex Verdugo. Um, he's been, you know, he's been getting a little unlucky. He has a uh 43 point difference in Woba and X Woba. But if if his ground ball rate is probably um not the best, but I should Red Sox Red Sox have had three position players pitch this year. Yeah, not great. Not great. So Yolmer Sanchez, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Kevin Paul Wecky. Yeah, Verdugo out of 158 batters with 200 plus batted balls has the third worst luck. Um, he has, but he also does hit the ground, ball on the ground quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, overall, you're not getting what you want out of him. Um, yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck, as you said, he's he's uh, looking very bad, and you know, especially like he's not he's not providing great defense at all. So him being bad offensively is very alarming as well. Some are saying they should have traded him last offseason after he had those great two months because that was the best value he was ever going to have, and I kind of get it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of have to get it too. And then there also were some guys for the Red Sox that looked good early in the season, like Fran Franchi Cordero and Jaron Duran, who are just really on a on a hard downslope right now. Like uh, Jaron Duran has had some real troubles uh, in the month of July. Um, he, you know, he he was performing very well. However, I think I think the league is starting to figure him out a little bit uh mm -hmm. is i see since july 3rd since july 3rd he is hitting 159 with a 463 ops uh 26 strikeouts and 67 plate appearances and cordero has been um very bad recently what is it does he have like a 70 plus percent strikeout rate since a certain day i think he does yeah <laughs> i think he does and 
He has some absurd. Yeah, he's in an absurd slump right now. I need to check that one out for right now. Yeah, I'm uh, taking a look, parsing through the data right now. <laughs> um, since July 2nd, since July 2nd, he's hitting 109 with a 383 OPS, Franchi Cordero. And that includes 30 strikeouts and 62 plate appearances, which is 48.3%. And that's over 18 games. Since, uh, since July 11th, he's slashing 037, 103, 037, 140 with uh, 19 strikeouts in 27 at-bats. Yeah. He's hitting like he's facing Edwin Diaz every time. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. It's been, it's been rough for uh, a lot of these Red Sox players. And yeah, so like those are guys who are coming in because, you know, some of the other guys are injured like uh Kike or Hernandez out in center field. He's, a, he's been injured for most of the year, yeah. um, which has been more of a detriment than I think some people have realized, um, even though he wasn't having a great year this year up to, up to his injury. But I think defensively, defensively brings a lot offensively. I think he can go on some, some good runs. Um, and then yeah, like pitching, it's it's partly in it's partly injuries, partly underperformance, um, and that's a bad disaster. That's By the bad, way, going back to Frenchy Cordero, going back to Frenchy Cordero, he was uh, he was over two with two walks last night. If you take that game out from July 11th to July 24th, he was one for 25 with one single, and that was it. Yeah, not and great. Seventeen strikeouts in 25 at bats. Yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah. Um it's a eight, it's an 080 OPS. So yeah, and and you know, Trevor Story's on the IL and currently Rafael Devers is on the IL with a with a pulled hamstring. So, you know, when like I was at the I was at the Red Sox game on Saturday, JD Martinez was out with back with back spasms. You know, Franchi Cordero, the guy we just mentioned who had you know, a strikeout rate in the 60% in, in the sixties percent wise over, uh, you know, 12 games, he was More batting fifth. Yeah, he was batting fifth. Bad. Bobby Dahlbeck was batting sixth. Uh, he, I mean, he did hit a home run that game, but he has an OPS in the low six hundreds over a large sample size. And then Jackie Bradley jr. Hitting seventh, He's got an OPS under 600. And then I was at a way more fun game that day. I just want to say yeah, shout out to I was, Newport and Vermont. Yeah. I was at the uh, Newport goals versus the Vermont Mountaineers Cardians field in Newport, Rhode Island, by the way, it's a must. If you're, if you're in the area, like it's a cool park, but it's just so weird. Yeah. I, like that's, that's the main reason you need to see it is you just need to be there and be like, yo, what? Yeah, if I'm in the area, I might I might have to. Well, they're go gonna be sometime. in the playoffs. Yeah, right, right, right. But um, so why not? Yeah, I think also with this Red Sox team, they're they they were not they're not prepared to have a Rafael Devers injury. I mean, the the day he was put on the IL, they put Jeter Downs at third, and you know defensively he's good, but offensively he has just been wretched since he's come he has up. a 408 ops right yeah any any strikes out about 50 percent of the time um yeah. so it's just 
you know, nothing redeemable about him offensively so far. I mean, I know he's young, but, um, but he never even literally learned to hit and trip away either. So yeah, no, yeah. He he's, his OPS hasn't been above like seven fifty since he, uh, since he got acquired, since he was acquired in the Mookie Betts trade. Um, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, the Red Sox, they're not prepared for a, for a Devers injury. Um, and yeah, they're, they just have not been, have not been good. They're 12 and 29 against the rest of the AL East. And they still have a lot of, uh, East games on the schedule. They have nine against the Yankees. They have six against the Blue Jays, nine against the Rays. Um, so not Sick. great. Yeah. And they have the third hardest strength of schedule remaining. Um, behind Colorado and Tampa Bay. Well, so. there's a team in the division that has a worse schedule than them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if there's any hope that Red Sox fans need. Right. But um, their current standing, they're one game above 500. They are, they are 17 games out of the division. I mean, we no one was ever, ever since like mid-May, we, we've been putting that out of the out of the possibility but the they are uh, also three games out of the wild card the mariners the mariners uh surging did not help the red Sox, and then you have the rays and blue jays um kind of performing how they were expected yeah the blue blue jays have been doing pretty well after montoya got fired so good for them uh so yeah um yeah red Sox. red Sox. this uh this is going to be an interesting week for them because the trade deadline is a week away, I believe. It's on August 2nd this year. Yeah, yeah. So the trade deadline is a week away. Uh, as we're recording this, it's on August 2nd this year. And the Red Sox are going to be an interesting team, I think. I mean, I said at the very beginning of the season, if this team underperforms, don't be surprised if they sell. And it looks like that very well may be the case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, and I think one of the problems with that is though, like, I think like the only guys that have value are the guys that have like really good value, like you know Xander Bogarts. I don't think they're trading Xander. Uh, you know, JD Martinez, Nathan Evaldi. Those are the. I'm thinking Evaldi, JD Martinez, and Christian Vasquez might be going. Right. Um, yeah, I could, you know, I could see that in the realm of possibilities. By the way, I did not know until he was the MLB pickle that Nathan Ovaldi was 32. I thought he was much older. Um, so that yeah. definitely makes him a much better asset than I had realized. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I like that um, that four-year deal that they got him on, which it, it looked like a disaster initially, but it ended yeah, up I'd being say pretty- it was worth it overall, especially if it gets yeah. us something good at the deadline. Yeah, pretty good for sure. I mean, was the 2021 AL F4 leader, if that means anything. Yes. Um, but uh fourth in the yeah, like, voting. But but yeah. So um yeah, that'll be very interesting. I, I can't see them I can't see the Red Sox giving up anything valuable at the deadline. Um I wouldn't support it <laughs> uh yeah. if they gave up anything valuable at the deadline, especially given 
it's not it's not like it's going to get any easier for the Red Sox as we mentioned they have the third hardest schedule remaining mm-hmm. um so yes yes um all right um do we want to get into um break down these uh, playoff races let's do it yeah um yeah this is uh we we haven't haven't gone too deep into uh into the standings um but uh there are some there are some solid races some races where maybe they're a little closer than we expected there's really only three division races at this point which is kind of disappointing for this point in the season um true yeah we did expect the al east to be a, a tight division race but that is not the case no it will not be the case um <laughs> um but yeah and there's some good wild card action i mean adding the third team definitely throws a, a nice little uh, wrench into the mix as they yes. say i i am very much in belief of that yeah um mlb i should bring up the uh strength of schedule for all these uh for sure for um all this well i mean if we're just breaking it down right now the the divisions that are basically over are the al east the al west and the nls um the, the yankees astros and dodgers have those pretty much locked up they're all up by at least 11 and a half games in the division um the other ones the mets are ahead of the braves by two games in the nl east uh the phillies are nine games behind so they are just about out of it but it's still it's still possible that they could be in it again um the brewers are two games ahead of the cardinals and 13 ahead of the pirates so they're they're not going anywhere either um and then the twins guardians and white Sox are all within four games of each other yeah yeah um yeah some fun stuff in the al central which is a division we expected to be kind of over by now but it's not um, we expected to be over in like june yeah yeah for sure um so i guess we'll start with some division races uh yeah do, do we want to start with the al central yeah um yeah the al central uh yeah very interesting dynamic here um guardians in the mix which i didn't expect and twins leading by uh three and a half games they're 52 and 44 um it's funny because the twins are kind of doing what I expected them to do, but I didn't expect that that result to be yep. leading the division. Yeah, I thought they would be. I think they were my sleeper team at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, it was either them or the Phillies. I don't remember. They were. I mean, anyway, my AL sleeper team was the Twins. My NL was the Phillies. Uh, both of which are, I believe, in playoff spots right now. No, the Phillies are half a game out. But yeah. Um, the Twins have been intriguing this year. I mean, the the starting pitching, even with the injuries they've had, have been getting it done. Uh, I mean, Joe Ryan has been amazing as a as a rookie. He's if he didn't get injured, I think he's in the rookie of the year race. But uh, he got injured, and Julio Rodriguez is is running away with it. Uh, but yeah. like Sonny Gray, you know, I talked about his home road splits when he was in Cincinnati, and he's been proving me right so far a three five two ERA. Um, Chris Archer's been exceptional. He's kind of had a resurgence of the year, a 3.4, yeah, 3.41 ERA. Uh, the FIP is very different, but you know what? He's been getting it done, no doubt. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Ilber got so unlucky when he was in the league. Wow. 
He's he's on the IL right now, but 280 FIP, 401 ERA. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and then yeah, the the twins, yeah, twins are interesting. I just calculated it on my phone. They're on pace for 88 wins, mm-hmm. which you know would be low for a division winner, but it's funny because it's like if you told us, if you told the both of us before the season started, you know, twins are gonna win 88 games, we'd be like, Yeah, that's pretty much right on par. Yeah. <laughs> um but we expected the White Sox to win, you know, 95 plus, but uh, that is not the case. Um, so then you got the the Guardians who have stuck around. Um, they've been in better spots this season, but I think they've also been in worse spots this season. Yeah. Um, Going back to the Twins, by the way, I have no idea how Johan Duran has 1.0 home runs per nine allowed um that yeah. makes no sense to me whatsoever <laughs> right right um how, i also can't believe he's 1.7 walks per nine um yeah right 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 like he knows, yeah if, if if you have that type of stuff 95 mile an hour sink or splitters yeah if you have that type of stuff it might be hard to control it but johan duran's Looking like Greg Maddox with his. I bet. I also think he hasn't given up a home run in a while, if I'm correct, because he gave a couple up early. Um, yeah, right. he's given up one home run since May since May sixth. Uh, since May sixth, one forty eight ERA, uh, thirty three strikeouts, six walks, one home run allowed, and in thirty innings pitched. Um. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at some schedule breakdowns. The White Sox and Twins face each other nine more times. So that's, I think that might be where this division division could be decided. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Cleveland and Minnesota, it looks like they're probably going to face each other eight more times, seven or eight more times because they've played each other 11 times. Um, mm-hmm. So that should be interesting. And White Sox and Guardians um white Sox and guardians will be playing each other like i think six more times because they've played each other 13 times um interesting wrench in the mix is the so the twins have the 17th hardest uh schedule remaining the which is you know average the white Sox have the second easiest schedule remaining um that's interesting they have Seven against Oakland, nine against uh, Detroit. Um, so the White Sox are in, a, are in a good spot in that realm. Uh, so that's good for them. Let me. I'm gonna have a. I have. I have a take. All right. The the AL Central is still the White Sox to lose. That's fair. I believe. I yeah. Even though they're down by four, like if if. You know, before the season started, if you asked, are the can the White Sox be four games better than the rest of the division from July 26th on? I'd say yes, for sure. But I think it, I think we view it maybe a little differently right now because they're at a flat 500. But I'd say it's still their division to lose. They have too much talent and um they they should win that division. The Twins are not overperforming. They're not overperforming. They're not doing anything crazy. 
It's just the White Sox have been underperforming by that much. If the White Sox don't win the division, regardless of if they make the playoffs and even if they do, what happens there? There has to be no excuse to keep Tony LaRusso around, right? No excuse. Well, actually, yeah. there's the there's a very valid excuse that the owner and him know each other pretty well. Yeah, which is perfectly understandable because yeah. you know Rick Rick Hahn spent years rebuilding this team and constructing the perfect roster for years like 2022 uh, to have a manager that only the owner picked. Yeah, yeah, and like you know they've probably been friends since the 80s when Larusa uh, was, was also the manager of the White Sox. And I, I've never had a friend beyond, uh, beyond 20 years. So like, yeah, I think that's a very valuable relationship. And I think that's uh, a perfectly good reason to hire a manager for a young developing team when he's 76 years old. I think that's and also has had an old school mentality this entire time. Yeah. And throws his players under the bus when they celebrate. Yeah. Or, or, no, and when they do a perfectly normal thing, actually. Yeah. And also intentionally walks guys on a two-one count. Yeah, uh, one-two count or one-two count. Yeah, even yeah. worse. Only yeah, because I, of, because of a matchup where a guy has reverse splits. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's perfectly normal. I think mm-hmm. I think and, and I think anybody saying that is um, yeah, is too just too inexperienced in life. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, we haven't had friends for 40 plus years. How are we supposed to know? We didn't know yeah. anyone in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. No, I had no I, idea what I was doing back then. I didn't even exist. Yeah, I didn't have a job in the 80s. No, no, I was admittedly, I know it's crazy. You know, I, I know I claim myself to be a baseball fan, lifelong baseball fan. I didn't watch a second of baseball in the 80s. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Yeah. So right. you know what? I, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I was not alive to see uh, Ozzy Smith. So what do I know? Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't live in a time when I didn't live. I didn't live in a time when Roger Clemens was the best young pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think so. The White Sox. I'm looking at their page right now i think the injury list is getting a little smaller these days so that's good um lance lynn has come back eloy jimenez has come back however both are underperforming greatly right now uh yasmani grandal has come back he doesn't look like it doesn't look like he's doing as bad as he was doing before um and yeah the only significant guy on their roster who's on the il right now um there's some the only like everyday starter who's in there who's on the aisle right now is Luis Robert, um, which, you know, that's not great, but they have, you know, they have kind of a full rotation right now. Um, most of their bullpen is, is healthy. So yeah, it's theirs. It's theirs to lose. I just want to, while we're on the topic of the White Sox, I just want to shout out that John boy tweet from a couple of days ago. You know, um, the one oh. I send you where it was like the White Sox broadcast is using weighted runs created plus when they introduce the lineups, the futures here. <laughs> Even though they've been doing that for like at least minimum two years, yeah, <laughs> which was very funny. Yeah, that is very funny. Like, it's like, yeah, it was probably the first time. All you're watching... doing is telling me that you don't pay attention. Yes, yes. All right. I, I don't know if anybody knew this, but Brandon Nimmo uh, 
sprints to first base when he takes a walk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, the the AL Central should be interesting the rest of the year. I say it's the White Sox to lose. Um, And they're currently at 500. They're four games behind the Twins. Um, All right, the... We'll stay in the central, National League Central. What are your thoughts? Um, I really don't know what to think of the Brewers or the Cardinals for that matter. I think the Cardinals honestly might still have a better chance at this one because I don't know. The Brewers just don't do it for me. Like what like their pitching has been, you know, it's been Burns and Woodruff, but it doesn't feel like their pitching as a whole unit has been as dominant as it was last year. Like Eric Lauer just has been, you know, on the season, it looks like he's been good, but he's been struggling as of late. Freddie Peralta on the IL for the rest of the year. Adrian Hauser is currently on the IL. Josh Hader um, had one bad day at the office. Yeah. Very <laughs> funny. Josh Hader's – his career ERA probably went up by like point like point zero one or something like – or like point one zero. Yeah. Uh, in one game at least, <laughs> which was kind of funny because uh, – I don't know, like his whole season is going to get judged on uh, one outing where he had uh, 0.1 innings pitched, five hits allowed, six earned runs, three home runs. His yeah. ERA went from 273 to 450. He also gave up uh, three runs in zero innings pitched his previous outing as well. So yeah. uh, in, in those two outings combined, uh, 0.1 inning, point zero, eh, a third of an inning pitched, Seven hits, nine earned runs, one walk, no strikeouts, four home runs. That, of course, is a two two hundred forty three ERA with. But to be fair, it is a one seven seven point one three FIP. So he's getting unlucky. Yeah, 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 absolutely. As opponents, opponents are are were slashing, uh, eight seventy five, nine hundred, twenty three seventy five for a thirty two seventy five OPS. Yeah, he's he's allowing two hundred forty three earned runs per night. For nine innings but he should be allowing 177 that's yeah. a, no he's giving his team a better chance to win yeah <laughs> um yeah so what happened with josh Hader was on july 12 he had a 1.82 era and on july 15 he had a 4.50 so yep. it went up it more than doubled uh, um, i'm pretty sure you lost like almost a full win above replacement on fan graphs i know he lost 0.8 uh, on the after the July fifteenth outing, and I'm yeah. sure he lost point two after the July thirteenth one as well. Yeah, and his his FIP went up by two as well. It it went from one point nine five to Let me uh, check from July fifteenth from July thirteenth fifteenth. That's got to be like a a historically bad span. Like if you go to the span finder. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like one game can really make the difference, and it's funny because. In this you know, case, it would be two games. He has a 4.50 ERA, but he still only has two blown saves in 30 opportunities. Uh, he lost. What? Where is he? Did I click June instead? I clicked June instead. I was like, why isn't showing? I was like, how did the how did the worst F4 loss be 0.2 from Craig Stammen? Um, What? No, that's not right. Oh, wait, he didn't qualify, did he? Because he only threw a third of an inning. Uh that'll do it. Um yeah, not great. Uh, uh he lost 0. 0.7. Yikes. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um. So yeah, like yeah, the Brewers are interesting. They are currently two games above the Cardinals. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, it's been kind of Burns and Woodruff, and Woodruff was out for about a month with an injury before. Um, Hauser's currently on the IL. He has a four seven two ERA. Last year, that ERA was in the low threes. Um, Eric Lauer, uh, his ERA has gone up a little bit. Uh, Freddie Peralta has been out. He's only made eight starts this year um, compared to like a normal, you know, a, a fully healthy pace would be, you know, he'd be at 19 starts right now, 18 or 19, but he only has eight so far uh, because of his injury. But I believe he's, um, I saw earlier that he's going to be on a rehab assignment. So he will be coming back to the rotation soon enough. Nice. Um, and yeah, their offense, looking at their offense, offense, 103 OPS plus, which is kind of what I expected from the Brewers offense. I mean, they, they kind of make, there's just no one that's like a breakout offensive player. That's, I think that's a part of my issues for sure with this team is like who, like there's no one in that lineup that I fear as a pitcher. Right. Yeah. Like, like their best OPS plus has been Hunter Renfro at 125. Right. Yeah. Which is not, you know, I mean, it's an 813 OPS. He's also, you know, he's at 305 OBP. That's below league average by quite a bit. Yeah. Christian Yelich has, has continued to be an average hitter. Um, 106 OPS plus, uh, which is. Christian Yelich has been a big ground ball hitter this year, like more than previous years. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed I was looking at, you know, another, I was looking at a slightly alarming today and like, you know, Christian Yelich led in ground ball rate over a month span. Jeez, wow. Um, but yeah, like, you know, the lineup is, it's kind of what it was last year. Um, but their pitching has not been quite the same. However, they do lead the division. They're nine games above 500. You do have to give them their due there. And then the Cardinals, the Cardinals are, it's Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, their defense, and then everyone else, pretty much. Yeah. Um, like, I, you could credit their pitching staff, but their pitching staff would not be their pitching staff without their defense. Mm -hmm. um, you see, like, the ERA FIP differences on that whole staff, and it's pretty significant. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, what's interesting about the Cardinals is – they have the easiest remaining schedule flat out out of all 30 major league teams. Um, but the Brewers have the 10th easiest. So it's not like they're too, it's not like they have a crazy hard schedule either. Um, so that should be that, you know, that's interesting, uh, interesting dynamic going on there. Um, what's, what's your outlook on, on these teams? Um, I think, I think the Cardinals have a better chance of getting past the first round of the playoffs than the Brewers do. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's my takeaway. Getting past the first round. Um, well, the Bre I have more confidence that, you know, the Brewers starters are going to keep the Brewers in the game than the Cardinals will. Uh, keep the Cardinals in the game. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, 
yeah, I, you know, I, I think, yeah. But in terms of like what we saw with the Brewers in the playoffs last year was their offense just completely shut down against the Braves. Braves, Braves yeah. What but, I've learned from the playoffs the last couple of years is that offense really does win championships more than people realize. People love to say that pitching wins it. And yeah, it obviously helps, but you could have the best pitching staff ever. But if you, but you know, if you score one to two runs a game, the lead offenses are going to, you know, be able to find ways to get a few runs off that great pitching staff that you have. And that's what we saw from the Brewers last year. They exactly. won one game in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and it was like a two nothing game too. They won. I'm pretty right. sure. Right, right, right. It, it was one single. Um, it was, was a Rowdy Tellez home run, I believe. Rowdy Tellez home run. Yeah. Um, but what I will say about the Cardinals offense, they so they have a 108 OPS plus team OPS plus. It's that's five percent better than the Brewers. If a pitching if the pitching staff can find a way to shut down Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, they're in a bad position because mm-hmm. you look at the rest of that offense, it's not good, not very good at all. I have a take. I think uh, so. The way the playoffs work is that I mean it's all likely that an NL Central team will have the three seed in the uh, yeah in the playoffs because NL East and West division leaders are just better. I think mm-hmm. that the top wild card team will go into the series uh, with the with the Brewers or Cardinals with a better record. Right. The, I think or, it's pretty obvious at this point. The Braves and Mets are both at least five games above. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you mean, so the four seed. The four seed, like the three seed, will have home field advantage because they won the division, but the four seed will have more wins in the regular season. Right. Yeah, I agree. And with we'll that. overall, and will overall just be a better team. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, last year that was also. I mean, I think it's, I think it's all likely that at this point that we're going to see Brewers slash Cardinals versus Mets slash Braves in the first round or maybe Padres. Um, well, no, it's going to be three versus six, right? Yes, it is going to be three versus six. You're right. But I mean, like, who's to say that the difference in those teams is going to be very, is going to be it's Very... possible um right now the i mean right now the cardinals have the six seed but the right. phillies are a half game back so we could see a divisional matchup in the, yeah um, we very well could which i think i think that's pretty possible um we would also so... see padres braves that would be a fun matchup especially if the padres end up with juan soto yeah and uh what i also will say is um if the unless there is a divisional uh unless there is a divisional uh you know matchup in that first round between either al central teams or nl central teams that streak of central teams not winning playoff series will continue i think it's been since 2016 yeah it's from yeah from uh well the cardinals did win one in 2019 Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But since so, 2020, the Braves had to ruin it. Mike Fulton-Nevich had to ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> AL Central has never made it since they made three straight World Series. Yeah. Right. 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 And six straight ALCSs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 2011, 2012. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't see. 
unless maybe the White Sox get hot, I don't see any of these t- central teams posing much of a threat in the uh, no. In the I think playoffs. we're seeing East versus West on both sides again. Right. Yeah. Like it's just I don't know what it is, but they're not. They don't look like big threats at all. No. Um. So, I think yeah, I think. Brewers, Cardinals, I think that could be a flip-flop in that NL Central. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then uh, the Mets other Braves. the other divisional race is the best divisional race. It's Mets Braves. They face each other, I believe, 12 more times this season. That's gonna be sick. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be too. That's in. gonna be must-watch baseball at all times. Uh, the mean, Mets are getting Degrom back soon, which is exciting. It's gonna, they're going to finally have both Degrom and Serger. Yeah, this is going to be a great race, I think. Um, I think, yeah. And then uh, I guess we should start out by looking at um, strength of schedule. I I would imagine they're pretty similar. The um, the Mets have the twenty third hardest schedule the Braves have the 15th hardest schedule, so it's not crazy different. Um, yep. And they face each other 12 more times, which is, yeah, which is pretty great. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this race? I think it's, I mean, the Mets are up by 10 games at one point. You definitely have to keep that in mind, but I don't think, like, I know that, you know, a lot of people will probably be led to believe because the Braves have cut it down so far that they're just going to take over. I think I think we will be watching this race up until mid to late September. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think in their last series, the Mets won the series. Yes, they did. Um, two games to one. Yeah. They took two out of three from the Braves at uh, Truist Park. Um, I think, yeah, they're, like – the 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 Mets have most importantly, I mean, outside of DeGrom and Scherzer, they've stayed healthy, which is very good to see. If they continue to stay healthy, that's a that's a dangerous team for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they've seen some guys do better than they should be doing, like Taiwan Walker is uh, is you know doing better than he should be doing. And I think that, you know, he has a FIP under three, so looks a little bit sustainable. Um, you know, Brand, uh, Brandon Nimmo has stayed healthy and put up a very good season. Um, and just, yeah, they've, they've been pretty consistent uh, down the board. They have Their team OPS plus is 105. Their team ERA plus is 112. Um but yeah, the Braves have been surging for sure. Uh, they've, the yeah, I should look at the exact span. I'll pull it up. But they've they have this crazy streak going of mm-hmm. like winning blank out of blank games. Yeah, the Braves have gone thirty five and thirteen in their last forty eight games, which is why they seem dangerous. And also, like they have some guys that are doing well, um, who like you didn't expect to be contributors like Spencer Strider and Michael Harris as rookies, just being um, very quality contributors. Uh, And the guys who you would expect to be doing well have been doing well, like Austin Riley. Unfortunately, uh, Ozzy Albies being injured doesn't help them, but yeah, no, the, 
Braves are in a uh, the Braves are in a good spot. The Mets are in a good spot having to Grom back, and I think it's it's hard to predict how this will end. It is, yeah. This is going to be a very interesting race all the way down the stretch. Um, by the way, Subway Series is this weekend, probably the most anticipated Subway Series in the regular season that I can ever remember. True, true. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Um, the Braves, I think in my head, I favor the Braves a little bit to mm-hmm. finish out the season and and win that division because of um, because of like they they have experience winning the division. I mean, they've won four in a row, and you know four division titles in a row, and you know how they ended the season last year is inspiring. But uh, but yeah, I think, but the Mets the Mets have a fair shot for sure, especially if they have both Degrom and Scherzer pitching, and you know there's a reason why they are 22 games above 500 this year. Yeah, I mean, even if you look up and down that starting rotation, it's all guys that have been pitching very well, especially with the stuff that they can control. I think like most of them have over a strikeout per inning. Uh, Tyler McGill, by the way, he's on the injured list right now, but he has been so unlucky. His FIP is like a run and a half better than his ERA. Um, yeah, not not <laughs> that that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a good good quality race out over there and then uh we can talk about the national league wild card race um currently as it stands the braves have the first wild card spot they have that first wild card spot um or no they have a general wild card spot by six and a half games they have the first wild mm-hmm. card spot by four i think games. i think the braves are have got at least the division or the wild card pretty much locked up as do the mets like i think the four seed is pretty clearly either going to be is going to be an NLE's team yes I, I i believe so too um the padres have a wild wild card spot by two and a half games and the cardinals have the third wild card spot the phillies are half a game back of the cardinals and the giants are two and a half games back of the cardinals yep um so we haven't talked about philadelphia yet what are what are our thoughts on on the phillies I think they got a shot. I really do. Um, they've been much better. I mean, they had a really tough end of the second. Uh, they've had a really tough end of the first half and beginning of the second half. But, uh, you know, they got some games coming up. They do have uh, – they're continuing the series against the Braves tonight. Uh, very good matchups, or at least tonight, a good matchup for them, which I'll get into later. But, uh, I mean, you got the Pirates coming or going to Pittsburgh this weekend. That's definitely encouraging. Um, they have guys like uh, Kyle Schwarber has been stepping up for them, no doubt. Uh, he's had he's struggled in the last few games, like Chris has previously mentioned. Um, I do worry about the lineup long term, though, without Bryce Harper, I would say. Because um, Kyle Schwarber can't do all the work himself, obviously. Reese Hoskins has been doing all right, but he's been very streaky. Castellanos has to pick it up. Um, but, I mean, they've kind of been getting contributions from other guys like Der- Derek Hall. Uh, who has played in uh, how many games so far? 19 games. He's been doing very well for them. Uh, like Bryson Stott, I know homered last night. Uh, I do worry about the lineup long-term, I will say that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point for sure. Um, especially like a team kind of built around their offense. However, they don't have Bryce Harper and 
you know, Nick, Nick Castellanos has been underperforming over the long term. Uh, the Phillies have the seventh easiest schedule remaining. Um, they're, re- they're one spot ahead of the Mets. They have 11 games remaining against the Nationals, which is good for them, and seven remaining games against the Reds, uh, also seven remaining games against the Pirates. So uh, yep. that's, that's a good sign for the Phillies. Um, so not a hard schedule remaining. Um, but, yeah, having Harper out long-term doesn't help them out. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, ha- having a race between them, the the – cardinals and the giants i'm not sure like any direction it goes in um wouldn't surprise me yeah i think i think the worry with the phillies is depth whether it's with their starting rotation or with their lineup uh but i mean yeah they are they are one starting pitcher away injury away from disaster and I don't yeah. want to, you know, I don't want to put that out in the world because, you know, it's it's all very circumstantial and not. I don't want to say not likely, but you know, it would cause a lot. It would they would it would take a lot for that to happen. But yeah, this is a team on thin ice right now, no doubt. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I know the Philly, the Phillies and Cardinals don't face each other for the rest of the year. I think they've had both their series, mm-hmm. um, so that won't be factored in um the giants just took a sweep from the from the dodgers um they're two and a half games out you can't rule them out completely they've been underperforming the whole year so i think i think it's a possibility they take the wild card spot um but if i had to if i had to make a prediction i think i might still go with the cardinals because they have the easiest schedule remaining yeah, that's fair. Um, um, I would go with, yeah, Braves, Padres, I think are the easy picks right now. The Giants defense really concerns me, but I, and I don't know what they're doing at the deadline either. So that worries me. I might also go with the Cardinals. Yeah, I think, I think the way the National League wild card is right now is probably the way it's going to stay. Yeah. I want to believe maybe the Marlins could make a run. They're five and a half games back at the Cardinals. It's not likely, but I don't think it's impossible. I do want to throw that out there. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, like if if Trevor Rogers like pitches like he did last year, mm-hmm. um, and their offense could be more consistent all around. Like yeah, Jacob that... Stallings this year, awful. Um, yeah, yeah. Jesus Aguilar underperforming. Mm-hmm. Miguel yeah. Rojas underperforming. Jazz Chisholm currently on the 60-day IL. Oh, that's so brutal. Oh, that's really gonna that's really gonna take a toll on that offense. Obviously, Garcia has been disappointing as a signing. Yeah, it the lineup is is pretty bad if we're being honest. Right. Yeah. Um and then the pitching's awesome. Yeah, pitching's great. Yeah. Got a Cy, you know, potential Cy Young winner for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh Got a guy who's almost qualified for the ERA title officially. Yeah, yeah, um, for the whole season. Um, yeah, the Giants, Giants. The what's uninspired, what's uninspiring about them is injuries. Brandon Crawford's on the IL. Evan Longoria has been on the IL, um, and then 
yeah, the defense has been concerning and their offense has not been just straight up has not been good. They are uh, at a flat 100 OPS plus this year. Um, it was a, it was a good amount better. Uh, it was a good amount better uh, last year for sure. Um, so yeah, that NL wild card race, um, you know, only a half game difference right now. We'll definitely keep track of it uh, as the season continues because, I mean, the NL wild card race last year was a absolute roller coaster because it was like, uh, it was like, oh, you know, it's definitely going to be uh, either Dodgers, Giants, or Padres. They're going to be in it. And then the Padres uh, played like the worst team in baseball. And then it was like, oh, Reds are taking it. And then the Cardinals won 17 in a row and then they took it. <laughs> yeah. So you never know what's going to happen. You never know. You never know. You've just got um, no idea. Yeah. Like who knows if the Diamondbacks just win 17 in a row and come <laughs> back from seven and a half out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they won 17 in a row, they'd still be under 500 right now. Actually, that's a lie. They'd be seven games over. For some reason, I misread that. Yep, yep. Um, shout out Merrill Kelly this season, by the way. Yeah, He's shout out to him. the resurgence. Um, uh, also, shout out – yeah, shout out that whole pitching staff, really. They've been uh, better than in years past, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Joe I mean, Mantiply, unfortunately, did give up his second walk of the season recently. Yeah, that's a tough day. Yeah. Tough day yeah. for us. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they had the worst record in, uh, tied for the worst record in baseball last year. And and now they're, you know, they're on pace for 70 wins, um, 70 plus wins. So good for them making some improvement. Yep. Um, all right. So that does it for, uh, the talk of the playoff races. Um, now we will get into players highlights, starting with our, Tuesday, July 26, 2022 edition of How about that? Who do you have for us today? So I've been reliever diving today. And uh, I think this guy's been mentioned on the show a couple of times, but we never talked about him in full. I'm talking about Scott Efros, who I'm so yeah. mad because I was very close to putting him as my player to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I chose the guy that they DFA'd instead. <laughs> I was like, I'm not kidding. I was this close, but I was like, oh, I kind of like Harold Ramirez. Um, but yeah. anyway, Scott Efros has a 281 ERA and a flat two FIP on the season. That FIP ranks 10th best among the 172 qualifying relievers throughout the year. Uh, 49.1% of his batted balls have gone up the middle. That is the highest rate among the 277 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls allowed. And opponents who hit up the middle against Efros are hitting 259 with a 426 slugging. I know that those don't sound outstanding, but they're both below league average. So he has been getting it done better than the average pitcher. His ex-WOBA, ex-CRA, ex-slugging, barrel percent, and chase rate are all in the top 7% in the league. And also among the 209 pitchers that have thrown at least 25 innings, specifically against righties, Efros's K-to-walk ratio of 8 ranks 8th, and his 131 FIP ranks 2nd. His K-to-walk ratio of 9.37 at home also ranks eighth best among the 249 pitchers with at least 20 innings pitched at home and his 138 ERA or sorry his 138 FIP ranks fourth so uh, he's been excellent all around this year that is Scott Efros. Scott Efros. 
Um, yeah, he's uh, yeah, interesting reliever, side armor, right? Yes. Yeah, very very interesting. You want to know what I just realized? Uh, what? I just uh, I just traded in my old phone, and uh, that was the only way I could access the list. So I got to remake it now. I have to figure out which players we have and have not done. Well, we have done a cub. Um, yes. With Nico. Horner. I can I can figure it out. It won't take me as long as I think it will. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you, I don't think I, I, uh, yeah, I don't think we have done an A until yeah, today. You did, you did Christian Bethancourt. Oh, never mind. If you're thinking about the guy I was going to look at, I was going to use this guy as my next, how about that? But go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm, um, I'm talking about someone who has had a little bit um, he, he's had some long-term success, I guess you could say. Um, looking at, uh, I'm, t- I'm actually taking a victory lap today. Oh, I'm talking about, uh, Sean Murphy. Okay. never mind then in his last 36 games, he is hitting 313 with a 909 OPS and a 160 weighted runs created plus, um, in this span, he is top 25 in offensive runs above average and defensive runs above average. He is ninth in F4 in this 36-game span, and he is first among catchers in F4. Um, out of 95 players with 100-plus batted balls in this span, his, he ranks sixth in expected WOBA, and also out of those 95 players, he ranks 15th in barrel rate. Uh, along with that, most notably, Sean Murphy's strikeout rate has gone from 27% before the span down to 14% in the span, uh, basically cut it in half. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, his whiff rate has gone from 29.0% to only 17.5%. And out of 113 batters with 250-plus swings in the span, his whiff rate is 13th uh, lowest out of 113. And, uh, yeah, like his, his offense has been very good. And defensively, he's one of the best uh, defensive catchers in baseball. He has a 34% caught stealing rate overall in the season, which is nine percentage points above average. He has the third best catcher pop time and the third best uh, catcher uh, catcher framing this year, according to Baseball Savant. So, uh, yeah, Sean Murphy. How about that? Shout out to Baseball Savant for bringing back catcher pop time. I think it was the first year they've tracked it since 2019. They just brought it back like very recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's good. Yeah, a great, uh, a great comeback for sure for uh, mm-hmm. for baseball savant. So yeah. now we will be going from the highs to the lows, where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming. With our Tuesday, July twenty sixth, twenty twenty two edition of slightly alarming. Uh, who do you have for us today? I am looking at a, a player that I mentioned earlier has not been doing well. I'm talking about Eric Lauer of the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Uh, he has given up 12 home runs over his last eight starts with a 6-10 FIP. That is the worst among the 73 pitchers with at least 40 innings pitched over that span. Uh, most of his arsenal has just been bad. His slider, curveball, and cutter have all been ineffective in that span. And among the 39 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls against those three pitches, Lauer's 329 average ranks third worst and his 629 slugging ranks dead last. Uh, before the span, 13.6% of his batted balls were on 
on those pitches on sliders, curveballs, and cutters had a launch angle above 45 degrees. That's 36% of those, or sorry, 13.6% of those batted balls had a launch angle above 45 degrees. And in this span, it's down to just 7.9%. So he's not giving up as many fly balls. He's giving up a much worse contact as far as launch angle goes. The exit velocity has actually been kind of the same. So it really just has been uh, worse placement, which, you know, that gives you a reason to believe that it won't continue. He just hasn't been getting the batted ball results that he wants. But, uh, I mean, 12 home runs over eight starts, that's bad. Yeah. Eric Lauer. Slightly alarming. Um, for my slightly alarming, um, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Nelson Cruz. Um, in his last 19 games, he is hitting 157 with a 425 OPS and a 27 weighted runs created plus. Uh, out of 171 qualifiers in this 19 game span, his average is fifth worst. His slugging uh, is worst, and his OPS is the worst in baseball. And also in this 19 game span, Cruz's uh, or in this 19 game span, Cruz has one extra base hit, one barrel, and no home runs, which is extremely uncharacteristic for uh, for Nelson Cruz. And uh, along with that, he has, in this 19-game span, he has a ground ball rate of 56.0%, and that is 16th highest out of uh, 175 players with 100 or with 50-plus batted balls. So Nelson Cruz, not looking great right now. Um, you were kind of hoping if you were a Nationals fan, he was going to do well and you could get some value for him at the trade deadline, but doesn't seem very valuable at the trade deadline right now. Um, you could get something, but um, it's more of a, you're, you're more, it's better for a buyer than a seller with the mm-hmm. Nelson Cruz uh, sweepstakes. So Nelson Cruz right now looking slightly alarming. It looks um, like ever since the trade to the Rays last year, age has actually started to catch up to him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, it's uh, yeah, not been not been great for him. Um, because he was a slightly alarming for you when he was on the Rays. Yep, he was the very last one of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that does it for players to highlight. Now, now we will get into a preview of the week ahead. Um, coming back after uh, an episode off. Um, so, or no, that's not true. No, that was, it was how about that since Lady Alarming is doing that. Ah, ah, gee. Yeah. Silly me. Um, so, yeah, looking at some series to watch. Um, there's actually some, uh, some pretty good series to watch, uh, especially in the East and the Central. Um, a series that started last night was Orioles Rays. Um, the Orioles are half a game back of the Red Sox, which is funny. Um, they're three and a half back of the wild card. And yeah, the Rays are in that wild card spot. That is uh, Orioles Rays is a four game series. So maybe the, I, I know the Orioles, Orioles won last night, so they can make up some ground on the Rays. Uh, also you have Phillies Braves that one started last night as well. Um, the Phillies are looking to emerge in that, uh, 
in that wild card spot. They're half a game out currently, and they have a three game set against the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. Um, Blue Jays Cardinals in Toronto. If you're looking for Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt, you won't find you him. won't find him there. Um, that's a two game series between two teams with uh, wild card spots, and you also have. Uh, Brewers Twins, the leaders of the Central. I believe that is uh, two games as well. And uh, as Daniel prefaced before, you got the Subway Series. It's at City Field. Um, it's the Mets against the Yankees. Uh, that's going to be two games. Should be interesting. Lots of good fanfare going on. Um, yeah, should be a good series. So all those series, um, some playoff in- implications with all of them. So take a take a watch yeah uh looking at the daily matchups on tuesday you have keegan thompson going for the cubs against the pirates at wrigley you have pablo lopez and hunter green facing each other in marlins reds you have shane mcclanahan and spencer watkins facing each other in rays orioles at camden uh you have andre Pallanti versus jose barrios in cardinals blue jays i'm just gonna say it, chris i'm i'm an andre Pallanti guy myself all right he he said it I really am. Yeah. You got Mike Clevenger going for the Padres against the Tigers at Comerica. It's a former division rival of his Jordan Montgomery versus Taiwan Walker in game one of the subway series tonight. That is a good one for sure. You have um, Michael Kopech and Herman Marquez facing each other in White Sox Rockies at Coors. Luis Garcia versus Frankie Montas in Astros and A's. That's a fun one as well. Carlos Rodon versus Tyler Gilbert at Chase Field for Giants Diamondbacks. Um, Mike Petriello had a tweet about this one in Nationals Dodgers. You have uh, you have the uniform numbers matchup or the uniform colors matchup. It's gray versus white. Oh, fun! Yeah, perfectly enough. Josiah Gray is pitching for the road team Nationals, and Mitch White is pitching for the home team Dodgers. So, uh, if you're Dave Martinez and Dave Roberts, I think you gotta understand the implications here and absolutely do not wear alternative jerseys. Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't think the Dodgers have alternatives anyway, so I think the Dodgers are set. But the Nationals, you gotta you gotta stick with the Grays tonight for sure. Yep. And then you have George Kirby and Dane Dunning facing each other in Rangers Mariners at T-Mobile Park. Matchup of the night comes from Braves Phillies. You got Spencer Strider versus Aaron Nola. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a good matchup. It's a that's sure. a very good fit fit matchup. You're not yes. gonna see. You're going to see a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of walks, not a lot of, home, not a lot of homers. And so going on to Wednesday now, uh, you have Charlie Morton versus Kyle Gibson in Braves Phillies. Kyle Gibson has been struggling a bit. Um, you Darvish versus Tarek Skubal in Padres Tigers. You have Brad Keller facing the Royals for the, or facing the Angels for the Royals at Kaufman against Jansen Junk, who is a draft pick, I believe like a couple of years ago, uh, Chris Archer versus Corbin Burns in Twins Brewers at uh, American Family Fields. You have Lucas Giolito and Antonio Sensatella facing each other in White Sox Rockies. Christian Javier and Cole Irvin facing each other at uh, the Coliseum. John Gray facing the Mariners for the Rangers at T-Mobile Park. Braxton Garrett versus Luis Castillo. That's an underrated matchup in Marlins Reds in Cincinnati. Uh, Drew Rasmussen versus Tyler Wells in Rays Orioles. Adam Wainwright versus Kevin Gosman in Cardinals Blue Jays. That is a good one. 
Yeah. Um, yep. Surprised Adam Wainwright is vaccinated. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, a, uh, yeah. I know that these are unrelated, but they usually kind of coincide. But he was like pro owners during the uh, the lockout. Huh. Which was very weird. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Cal Quantrill versus Nathan Ovaldi in uh, Guardians Red Sox at Fenway. Apparently the Mets and Yankees is uh, – the Mets haven't announced, but allegedly it's Domingo Herman versus Max Serger. Huh. Which is a bit of a mismatch there, if I if I do say so myself. Right, yeah. Uh, matchup of the day comes from Giants-Diamondbacks at Chase Field. It's going to be Logan Webb versus Zach Gallen. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then on Thursday, uh, Jordan Lyles will be going for the Orioles against the Rays at Camden. Graham Ashcraft will be going for the Reds against the Marlins. Zach Wheeler and Zach Thompson are facing each other in Phillies. Pirates, a lot of teams have not announced their starters. Shohei Otani will be facing the Rangers for the Angels. Uh, Justin Steele will be facing the Giants for the Cubs in San Francisco. This is a bold take. Matchup of the night comes from Guardians Red Sox. It's two pitchers that have been doing very well as of late. I'm talking Tristan McKenzie versus Cutter Crawford. Yeah, a couple of... Very hot take, but there also just have not been a lot of matchups announced. Yeah. Couple of young guns for sure. Yes. Tristan McKenzie, I believe, is an 034 ERA over his last something starts. Right, right. Let me let me check that one out real quick. Cutter Crawford is an ERA just below uh three in his last X amount of stars as well. Yeah. Yeah, Crawford's been uh, in the month of July. Month of July. Yeah, Tristan McKenzie has an 034 ERA and a 211 FIP in 26 and two thirds innings pitched. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. And shout out to his uh, his brother, brother Robin home runs for the Keen Swamp Bats. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so yeah, that does it for uh, for preview of the week week ahead and therefore that does it for this installment of above replacement radio we hope you enjoyed this one if you are listening on apple Podcasts, or spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens uh go to our youtube channel it is called above replacement radio and subscribe to the youtube channel help the uh and smash that like button and comment below and boost that algorithm hit the bell for notifications hit the bell hit the bell yeah if only if only i was creative enough to put that um animation yeah. at the front of every video or ev- yep. literally every two minutes of the of the podcast it looks like only 30 percent of you are subscribed yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we're like uh i'm gonna i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a giveaway all you gotta do is hit the like button they're like 10 second challenge I need you to hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and do a comment in 10 seconds, and I will do a giveaway for anyone who does that. Yeah. Um, and we never hear about those giveaways either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, by the way, I saw a meme about this on the internet a long time ago, but, like, did anyone ever win the Danimals Crew sweepstakes? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think anyone ever. I think that was a scam. No one's ever. There's nothing in the internet about it. Like no one's ever claimed to have won it, yeah, or had, or at least had like a, a credible claim that they won it. Yeah, a uh, uh, 
a total scam there but yeah, yeah. our youtube channel um also watch uh watch the shorts and and uh get our algorithm up get, get yes. some more eyes on above replacement radio um also uh if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current and follow the show instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you on friday where we are talking all the happenings in major league baseball once again see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over